He was born in a small seaside village, the same one as his father. And he was given a name common for that time. Born of a Jewish home, as a youth he would have probably gone to synagogue school. And there where he would have learned portions of the law of Moses. And on the Sabbath, he would have gone to the synagogue. But he was a boy, a male. And the living had to be earned for the family. And so he took up the trade of his father, a fisherman. Fishing in those days was strenuous work. And so most fishermen were strong, tough men. Sometimes crude in manner and in speech and many times in their treatment of others. But they were a hardy lot. Their exposure to all kinds of weather made these fishermen a fearless fearless group of men with great endurance. For they had to toil for hours on the sea in all kinds of weather to extract their catch for the day. But he was good at it. And so it was and so was his younger brother and so it wasn't long before they had their own fishing boat and eventually they went into business with another pair of brothers James and John who were the sons of a man called Zebedee eventually he married and got a house in another seaside village just down the road He had a permanent visitor living with them, his mother-in-law. And then came that day when his younger brother Andrew came and said to him, Come, come, look, we have found the Messiah. And it was here that he first came in contact with Jesus. And there was something about this man called Jesus, something the fisherman couldn't put his finger on. Something that beckoned to this fisherman's inner man. And and so he left his nets. And for the next two and a half years, he became acquainted with and followed this Jesus. And what a time. He got to see the blind eyes opened and and the lame walked. Why? Why? They even fed 5,000 men, plus their women and children, with only five loaves and two fishes. And then there was the time when he raised Lazarus from the dead. What a sight to see this dead man coming out of the tomb and, and back to life. This fisherman had never seen anything like that in all of his years in working in his trade. But something bothered him. This Messiah, this Jesus, spoke of how people were going to abuse him and and put him to death. And how he he would talk about how the grave, though, couldn't hold him and he would rise again on the third day. But this fisherman loved this man called Jesus and And he wasn't about to let anyone injure him or or take him away from from them. The fisherman remembered one time when he told Jesus that nobody would ever be able to injure him or take him away. 
But Jesus called him Satan and told him to get behind him. The fisherman wasn't sure he understood all of that, but then he didn't understand everything the, this Messiah said to him anyway. And then came that fateful night in the Garden of Gethsemane when Judas, who had been one of them, came with a group of people and he, and he kissed Jesus. And all of a sudden the people started to grab him and that's when the fisherman grabbed a sword and cut off the ear of one of the high priest's men. But this upset Jesus and but with a touch of his hand, he put the ear in place. And as they led Jesus off, the fishermen followed at a safe distance. And when Jesus was taken into the governor's palace, the fishermen knew a friend who could get him inside so he could see what was going on. And it was a cold night, and so the fishermen huddled around the fire with others. And when one of the maids said she recognized him as a follower of Jesus, in panic he denied it. And when she confronted him a second time, he strongly denied it, hoping to end the situation. But the maid persisted. And when she mentioned it a third time, he not only denied it, but to emphasize his point, he cursed. At that moment in the distance, a rooster crowed. And the fisherman was reminded of a distant prophecy that this Jesus had spoken over him. That he would in fact deny Jesus three times. And unable to bear the pain and, and the shame, the fisherman left the scene. They buried Jesus that day in the tomb of a man called Joseph of Armacea. But what a lonely time it was. The fishermen really loved this man called Jesus and he was gone. It was a long, long weekend. And then came the first day of the week when Mary came running up to tell them that the tomb was empty and and Jesus was gone and... Well, he had risen. But those words that Mary was saying seemed to be a a fairy tale. But the fisherman, hoping above all hope, jumped up and ran to the tomb to see for himself. Yes, it was empty. It was true, this Jesus had risen from the dead. And in the ensuing days... This risen Jesus appeared to the disciples twice. But there was something different. Well, Jesus didn't act different. As a matter of fact, he was very friendly. He never mentioned the fact that the fishermen had denied him. He didn't even infer it. But in his heart, the fishermen knew he had. And finally, one day as... He was standing around with some of the other disciples. The fisherman said, I'm going fishing. 
The others joined him and so out into the boat they went. But it was a bad night for fishing and they didn't catch anything. And as they were headed back, they observed a man standing on the shore. Do you have any fish, he asked. No, they answered. Throw out the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some, he said. And so at this man's suggestion, they threw the net into the water on the other side of the boat and it became so full of fish, they were unable to pull it in. They had to get help. It was in that moment that John said to the fishermen, It's the Lord. And the fisherman threw on his outer garment and jumped out of the boat and made it to shore. This was Jesus. This was the third time that the risen Messiah had appeared to the disciples. And they loved having Him around. As they got to shore, Jesus said, Come and sit and eat. What a time of fellowship. Shortly after breakfast, Jesus, looking over at the fishermen, said, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you you know that I love you, the fishermen replied. The Messiah said to him, Feed my lambs. But then a second time, the Messiah said to him, Do you love me? The fisherman answered again, Yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. Tend my sheep, the Messiah answered him. And then a third time, Jesus said to him, Do you love me? And the fisherman was grieved because the Lord had asked him three times, Do you love me? But with a heavy heart, the fisherman said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus looking at him said, Feed my sheep. And with that command to the fishermen of feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, the fishermen, Simon Barjonas, Peter, Petros, went on, the man who had denied Jesus three times, went on to become the head of the Christian church. And he became the recipient of one of the greatest gifts that God offers to you and I. God's grace. You know, I wonder sometimes if we really understand the meaning of grace. Oh, we might be familiar with some of the scriptures. We probably are familiar with Luke chapter 2. When Jesus was a child, it says the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. We probably remember scriptures like, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. 
Or we probably know from memory Ephesians 2 and 8. By grace are you saved by faith. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift of God. But I wonder if we really understand the depth and the meaning of grace. See, the Greek word for grace is keros. Keros. And it means that which bestows or occasions pleasure, delight, or causes favorable regard. Now I know that's a lot of words. Let me put it to you this way. God's grace is something which God does that bring to us, that brings us pleasure, delight, or causes us to have favor with Him and with others. That's what keros means. This is something that God does for us or to us that brings us pleasure or delight or causes us to have favor with God and with others. And it's given without condition or obligation by the giver. It's given without obligation. I think one of the greatest myths that has infiltrated our mind in our living is, well, you don't get nothing for nothing. Well, you know, that might be true from one human to another, but not with God. Here's the wonderful part of God's grace. It's free. And if you understand the Greek keros, it carries an emphasis. And its emphasis in keros is on its freedness. It's free. And keros is an exact opposite of indebtedness. In other words, God's grace to you and I is free. And when you received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, God bestows upon you this grace. As a matter of fact, James says that God gives us grace generously. But did you know that there's actually some people that refuse it? I hear people make statements, well, I'm doing all right. Well, I don't want to bother God. You know, I don't need that. Or I don't need charity. Listen, you don't understand grace. Grace isn't charity. Let me, let me paint a picture for you. Close your eyes for a minute if you wouldn't mind. Humor me for just 30 seconds. You're a parent. And you have a son or a daughter. And, and maybe they're married. And they live in their own home. And they're doing okay. But you love that son or that daughter. You just have a heart for them and, and, and you love them. And out of that love, you want to bless them. And so you know what? You look around and you see that they're driving maybe an older vehicle that, well, isn't very reliable and, and they might get stuck with your grandchildren somewhere. And maybe they don't have the finances or maybe they don't want to spend the finances right now to get another vehicle. And so you, in your love, go out and you buy the vehicle that they want and need. 
and you pay for it and you present it to them. And they look at you and they say, well, no, I don't need charity. Imagine what you would feel like. You would know real quickly that they don't, you'd not only be hurt, but you'd know that they really don't understand your love for them. Church, I want you, this morning, I want you to know that it's the same way with God. You can open your eyes, but it is. God loves you and, and He wants to be a blessing to you. If you're hurting inside, He's got the, the salve to soothe it. I know. I know. There were people that I was angry with or people that I hadn't forgiven or things I didn't understand that would make me mad. But God wanted to just envelop me in His grace and He loved me and He wanted to be a blessing to me. And God doesn't want to be a God that lords things over you or, or makes life tough on you. Just like a parent, God would like to shower you with His grace. You're His child. I want you to understand this morning, because of your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have become a child of the Most High God, the Creator of the universe. And this God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. Keros. But it's free. We just have to say, okay, God, just like when that parent comes and says, you know what, here's the keys. We have to say, you know what, thank you. You know, that was hard for me. It was. When my parents were divorced when I was young, and I lived with a dad, and, and uh, no, mis, no misunderstanding. I understood why my dad did what he did. There was no unforgiveness there. And I ran away from home and found a family I could live with for a while. The only person I trusted was me. And when I went to the Navy and went to Nam, I was the only person that I really trusted. I don't need what you've got. I'll get it on my own. Guess what? I get into trouble, I'll get out on my own. And when I came to God, that was hard for me. To learn to just open up my heart and say, okay, God, I don't know why. I don't understand your love for me. But you know what? Thank you. Thank you. Church, we can put up with all the ills and storms that life throws our way. And we can struggle along under our own power like we heard the second line of that verse we sang in our own abilities. Well, you know what? We can open ourselves up to the grace of God. God, I'm hurting. God, you're giving me favor that I know I don't deserve, but I accept it. And we can open it up and allow the Lord, just like he did with Peter, I know Peter didn't think he deserved it, but God bestowed upon him that, the grace of God. Let's pray. Lord.
I don't understand your love for us. But the value of something is indicated by the price put upon it. And while I don't understand the value you put on us as humans, the price you paid for us is awesome. You didn't just give us a son. You gave us an only son. And if that wasn't enough, the Bible says he was beloved. Lord, that means that he was precious to your heart. And if that wasn't enough, he was the Messiah. Not just of the Jews, but he's King of kings and Lord of lords over all the earth. And you gave that for us. And God, your grace, I don't understand it, but I'll tell you what, it'll heal the hurts from the past. Lord, it will heal the, the sickness and the disease that tries to overtake us. It can, Lord, help us to walk in forgiveness. God, your grace just, you want to bless us. Help us today to just say very quietly to you, God, I open myself up for your grace. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.